hosts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. Thank you for tuning into today's show. As the man said, I'm Eric Whiteman, and this is Common Sense Investing. I guess this is going to be our final show for the year since Christmas is next week and New Year New Year's is the week after. So that brings us back on uh, January 8th. And that's when I'll be doing my annual outlook, or as I like to say, the reading of the tea leaves. Uh, I've been doing quite a bit of work on it over the last few weeks. And what I'll do is I'll break it down over two shows. The first show is where I'll talk about the big picture, the economy overall, where I think interest rates are headed and the markets are headed in general and what sectors I like uh, or are my favorites for the coming year. I think this is going to be a difficult year to call, but, uh, you know, I'll do my best. The second show. So that'll be on January 15th is when I'll talk about my favorite stocks for the coming year. Hopefully you'll come away with some ideas that you can take away and research on your own to see if they make sense for you, because you always have to do your own research. If you have questions you'd like me to answer, well, email me, send it to podcast at xmlfg.com. Podcast is plural. So it's podcast at xmlfg.com. I don't think I have to tell anyone that the market is sitting at new highs, at least on the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ. Last week was a week filled with good news. and You had the announcement of the trade deal with China that, well, may or may not get signed the first week of the new year. Uh, signs that the USMCA will get passed. And uh, well, the Fed, Fed, they didn't do anything. Let me break these three th- three things down for you real quick. First, the U.S.-China trade deal, or what we've been referring to as the phase one deal. And that was finalized last Friday. Yes, this was a skinny deal. And there are a lot of things that need to be resolved. But I think it does serve as a step in the right direction. And it may have a positive impact on business spending and CEO confidence. Same thing with the U.S., Canada, and Mexico agreement. It's supposed to create 200,000 new jobs and benefit every state in the union. I think it's really good for Detroit because 75% of auto parts have to be built in North America. And last but not least, as I said, the Fed met last week and they remained on hold. Not only that, but their forward projections are for no rate changes in 2020. Now, even though the rates are on hold, the Fed, as well as other central banks, have been expanding their balance sheets, putting liquidity into the markets, which have helped stock prices to rise. So what's been driving the market higher? Well, it certainly hasn't been fantastic earnings. No, it's been consumer spending and confidence, as well as the easy monetary policies of central banks worldwide. As long as rates remain low and you have a strong jobs market, investors will probably continue to favor risk assets, stocks. But at some point, enough will be enough. A strong equity market can't be built on multiple expansion alone. And that's the price that people are willing to pay for a dollar of earnings. You'll need earnings to ramp back up again 
to support the higher multiples. If you've been listening for a while, you know I'm a fairly conservative value investor. Hey, I'm cheap. I like to find deals. I like to find deals on good businesses that are growing. At this point, what I usually hear is, yeah, but growth type stocks have outperformed value stocks by a country mile. So why do I want to be value? Well, that's true. If you're just looking at the indices, the indices that track value and growth. Well, the only problem with that is my definition of value is different from what most of these indexes use. Most value indexes rely heavily on price to book value to determine what's value and what's not. And I don't, at least not very often. I don't use price to book very often. I think price to book is good for some companies like the financials, but not much else. Our economy has changed since the birth of value investing. Book value used to mean a lot, but now we live in an economy where businesses are more asset light, as they say. We have a more service-oriented economy where book value, well, just doesn't hold a lot of value. I look more at free cash flow, the return back to shareholders, the quality of the business, the quality of the businesses and market, management. A good example is Apple, symbol AAPL. Apple's been one of my largest holdings for years. And I remember when I bought it, people scoffed at the idea because Apple was a growth stock. They said, Eric, you're not a value investor. You lost your way, my friend. But Apple was trading at 12 times earnings, had no debt, and was growing pretty significantly. And they were generating a ton of free cash flow. You know, all the things that I look for. My point here is don't get hung up on what you think value is. Use common sense. The idea is you want to buy great businesses for less than what you think they're worth. And if you do that, well, you're seeking value. You don't want to buy something just because you think it's going to go up. You bought it on a greater fool's theory thinking, well, there's going to be some bigger fool who's going to pay more. No, you have to do your research. I'm very worried about the people who are piling into the, in well, piling into passive investing, basically indexing, because I don't think they're buying it because, well, I think the only reason why they're buying is because it's easy and it's cheap. And really, what more can we ask for? Don't get me wrong here. I think indexing is a great way for some people to invest, especially if they're just starting out. But what worries me is that index investors can have weak hands. When the market tumbles, they can panic and sell. The S&P, that's, that's most, people, uh, most people know that it's a weighted index, meaning not all companies are equal. The top 10 companies account for 22%, about 22% of the index. Out of those top 10 stocks, only two trade at or below the market multiple. The other eight are higher and much higher. And most are tech stocks. There's Microsoft, symbol MSFT, trades at 31 times earnings. Amazon trades at 79 times earnings. Facebook at 31. Then you have the two Googles, because Google has two share classes. Both are in the top 10 in the S&P 500, 
as far as weighting is concerned, and both trade around 28 times earnings. Even Apple, which I love, it trades at 23 times earnings. I think Apple is expensive. If the market someday decides that these prices are too high to pay for these stocks, well, they can fall a long ways. And if the weak hands start selling, that exit can get very crowded very quickly. I don't see this as a problem now, but it can be a pretty big problem down the road. Let's change gears here real quick. I've been a big fan of healthcare. As a matter of fact, I remember doing a show, oh, probably a couple of months ago, and I mentioned that a good client of mine asked me if health if healthcare was dead money for a while. And wouldn't you know it, from just about that point, healthcare has started to take off. They're the best performing sector so far this quarter. And to give you an idea, the S&P healthcare sector is up about 11.5%. And that was yesterday when I looked at it. And the S&P is up about 6.5%. So healthcare is up about 5% more than the S&P so far this quarter. But as I inferred, that they'd been lagging for most of the year, being up 16% versus the S&P's return of about 26%. So a 10% different there. So if you look at it that way, they still have a lot of room to catch up. I think a lot of the underperformance had to do with politics and the cry for Medicare for all. Specifically, I'm talking about Elizabeth Warren. I think that her falling in the polls has been a big contributor to the rise in healthcare stocks. I still like these stocks a lot, and they'll certainly be one I talk about in my annual outlook. One area I'm not so enamored with are the utilities. Utilities have been all the rage this year, but since they have such a small weighting in the S&P 500 index, they haven't played much of a role in uh, the broad markets run up here. Tech sector is mostly responsible for that. What worries me about the utility sector is that it trades with about a 20 forward PE multiple and commands about a 20% premium to the market. With a price tag like that, you'd expect these companies to be growing like weeds, but but their forecasted earnings per share growth rate is only at about 5% which is well below what analysts are expecting from the broader market by about 3 or 4%. With natural gas prices falling at the fastest rate in four years and electricity capacity utilization you know, on a multi-decade downtrend trend, I think you avoid paying up for these stocks. Okay, we're about out of time for today. Don't forget, we'll be back on January 8th, starting off a new decade, and I'll be doing my annual outlook. I hope you all have a great holiday season, and I wish you all the best for the coming year. Remember, it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow. Okay, you've listened to the show. 
Now it's time for the really good stuff. So listen up. It's the disclosures. The things I talked about during the show, well, they're just my opinion and may or may not necessarily be those of the XML Financial Group. Don't construe this as personalized advice or a solicitation to buy or sell a security. No, no. You should consult your own financial advisor to see if it's appropriate for you. It's also not a substitute for tax or legal advice. I'd suggest you get someone who's qualified in these areas so you can get the advice you deserve. When you're talking about asset allocation, diversification, rebalancing, they don't guarantee better results and they don't eliminate the risk of losses. In investing, there are no guarantees. Just because you use these strategies doesn't mean you'll outperform someone or something who doesn't. XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.